Welcome back to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast. I'm Jonathan here in Melbourne, Australia. And today I'm going to be talking about life and the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give us. We've really got to remember that Jesus came to us with good news. And I only have good news to preach. Now, there are sometimes some uh, shocking revelations that come with good news and those revelations always require a response from us. So we, we really can choose to step into the truth, uh, but we can also harden our hearts sometimes. So it's really important that we uh, remember the parable of the sower, that we remember that we are the ones who are responsible You see, Jesus has already proclaimed the truth. He's already demonstrated his love for us. No one can look at the cross and deny that he died for our sins, that that he loves us. God loves us. He's already shown us his love demonstratively. And so it is up to us to respond. It's, It's how do we respond to the truth? Because the truth will not change. The truth has no shadow of a lie, and the truth is absolute. So Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. The truth has already been proclaimed. The word has already been spoken. So your healing has already been provided for. Your salvation has already been provided for. People go to hell because they choose not to love the truth. They choose to to obey the lie. They've exchanged the truth for a lie. So really, ultimately, every Hindu, every Christian, every Jew, every atheist, every agnostic, every believer, everyone who ever lived, Aboriginal, you know, people before and after Christ, we will be held accountable, every one of us, regardless of your position on earth, regardless of your faith, regardless of your, you know, membership or affiliation, we will be required of one thing. What did you do with my son? What did you do with the word that was sent? What did you do with the blood? Did you drink his blood? Because if you drank his blood, then you are in covenant with God. If you drink his blood and if you eat his body, then you are one with him. And so it's going to be really about what did we do in this life with what we were given. So as I finish that introduction and move into the main part of this message, remembering that it's good news. I want to use the analogy that really God created for us in the Bible, and it's the analogy of life as a garden. You see, Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, which was paradise. They never died. There was no sin. There was no knowledge of good and evil. They walked with God every day. They had free will. They were made in the image of God. And the thing is that most people miss, and I've never heard it preached, is that God had told them to subdue the earth. And I asked the question, why were they in the garden? 
why were they not expanding the territory of the garden? You see, God, he is a king. And every king, you can read some books from Dr. Miles Monroe on the kingdom principles, but every kingdom, including Jesus Christ and his kingdom, is 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 focused on expansion of territory. God said, I want, I want you to let the, let the fish fill the sea. Let the birds fill the air. Let there be every kind, every species of plant. And may they grow and bear fruit according to their own species. The Bible says let, in Hosea, let the, the knowledge of the glory of God fill the earth. The Bible says that all things are going to come under Christ. He wants everything to come into submission to his son. So God is wanting to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He's wanting Adam and Eve to subdue the earth and to fill the earth. With Noah, he, he continued to fill the earth. A kingdom is expanding and the violent take it by force. God is looking for people who would agree with him, who would violently expand his territory. Now, the territory that he's currently expanding is not planets and solar systems. The the territory that he's expanding currently are the hearts of men. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to be filled. There it is again. He wants you to be subdued. He wants you to subdue the garden of your own heart first. He wants you to subdue the earth and fill it. He wants you, spirit man, to take dominion, ownership, to subdue the earth, which is he wants you, invisible spirit man, to subdue and bring order to the physical man. The earth is spiritual. The Bible says that heaven is his throne. That's spiritual. But the earth is his footstool. It says that the, the heavens is the Lord's, but the earth he's given to man. So God is the God of heaven. And we pray, your kingdom come in heaven and on earth as it is in heaven. So God is always focused on expanding his invisible territory to the visible earth. So he is actually wanting what he does. First thing he does is Psalm 51. You get born again. The old man dies, the new man comes. You put off the old man, you put on the new man. The old man's washed in baptism. The new man's resurrected in Jesus Christ. And you're seated in heavenly places. So the first thing that God does is he plants the tree of life in your garden. Going back to Adam and Eve, they had the tree of life. God said, you are free to eat of the fruit of any tree, which included the, the tree of life. He said, you can eat freely of all of the trees except not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can go into that another day theologically, but today what I'm saying is that you are a garden. You are a garden and God has planted his word in your heart and hopefully it's taken root. Hopefully it's not just the word about church and churchianity. Hopefully the word that he sowed in your heart is the kingdom. Because Jesus Christ said that the word of the kingdom is sown in men's hearts. 
and it's the word of the kingdom that he is looking to grow. He's looking to grow the word of the kingdom so that you would bear much fruit, that you would bear kingdom fruit. The kingdom is what he is expanding. The kingdom is what he said to seek first. But it's not just seeking first the kingdom as a concept, it's seeking first the kingdom, obtaining it through understanding and revelation as Peter received the revelation from the Father. And Jesus said, this revelation came from the Father. We receive revelation as a seed in our hearts, and then we expand that revelation by manifesting it. Peter led 5,000 people to Christ on the first day. He was able to take the seed that was sown in good soil, seed that he understood. Clearly he understood it because he went through the whole Old Testament in his first sermon. He explained everything. People were cut to the heart and they had to choose. That's the result of somebody who is filled with the Spirit of God and who speaks the Word of God, is that everybody you meet is going to be forced to make a choice. And this is where most people don't understand the kingdom or they don't want to. And this is where many people fall away. Many people turned away from Jesus that day because he said that they had to eat his body and drink his blood. Remember, the more you walk with Jesus, the the narrower the road. It's a narrow road. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But people turned away that day because it got too narrow for them that day. But what Jesus said is that he said, The kingdom, he said, don't think that I came to bring peace, but a sword. See, the kingdom divides. The word of God divides. The the more you follow Jesus, there's going to come a point of decision making. Are you going to be led by the Spirit? Are you going to follow him all the days of your life? Or are you going to turn away like the rich young ruler? Or are you going to turn away like, like many of the Pharisees who believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees? They did not let it be known that they, that they were following him. Many believed in him, but few, few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And so continuing on this revelation of the garden, you are a garden that God wants to grow. He wants to expand you. You are the ministry that he wants to expand. You are the fruit that people are going to eat When people ate Jesus, they received the kingdom. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so am I sending you. He said, you are like me. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And how beautiful are your feet as you bring the message of the gospel. But what is the gospel? It's the gospel of the kingdom. So, Let people eat you because when they eat you, they're going to eat Jesus because you are filled with Jesus because you've allowed that kingdom seed to take root and to grow. As Jesus spoke in many parables again and again, he said the kingdom is like a mustard seed that grows. It's the smallest seed in the garden, but it becomes the biggest tree so the birds of the air can rest in its branches. He said the kingdom is like yeast that works its way through all of the dough. So you are receiving the word of the kingdom today, believe it or not. You know, in any church I go to, the moment that I stand on that stage, they have received the kingdom. Because by receiving me, they've received the kingdom. 
because I am an ambassador of the king. It's as good as Jesus being there because I'm there. It's as good as Jesus being there because you're there. When two or more of us gather together in his name. Now, all of these are kingdom concepts. Authority is a kingdom concept. Submission is a kingdom concept. Rebellion is a kingdom concept. The greatest threat to a kingdom is independence. You know, Ananias and Sapphira were were independent in their finances. You know, th- these are kingdom concepts. The, the king's word is the legislation. The king's word is the law. There are, there are all these kingdom concepts that are applicable. So, you know, government, you know, the military, all of these things are real parts of the kingdom of God. And I won't get into them now. You can have a look at my Melbourne Underground Church website. You can search for some of my other sermons on the kingdom, which are on Rumble and YouTube and Odyssey. So, God is wanting the kingdom seed to take over your garden, but he's wanting it to be to become more than just your life. Psalm 51 says, Take my stone heart and put a heart of flesh in me. See, God, the first thing God does is he creates a heart of flesh. They talk about Jesus and the good things he's done Fling wide these gates, let's see his kingdom come Okay, so after God has created a clean heart inside of you your garden is going to go to chaos. The reason it goes to chaos is because everything since the fall is in decay. The Bible says that all creation is groaning for the sons of God. The all creation was subject to futility. That futility is is corruption. So instead of living forever, we die. Instead of looking young forever, we get wrinkles. So what I'm saying to you is you can... Wash your car, but it's going to get dirty again. Even if you wash your car and wrap it in Glad Wrap and put it in a vacuum, you're going to open the wrapper in a 100 years and the car will be full of dust. And the engine won't work because the oil wasn't moving. So it doesn't matter what you do in this lifetime. We will in the next life, which is the power of the age to come, where we will be raised imperishable, we'll never die. We'll never get wrinkles. We'll never grow old. We'll never have to shave. It'll be fine. But until then, everything is in decay. So everything we do in our life down here in this side of eternity, in grace, in time, time has been created as an oasis for you. You see, if Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of life, the Bible says they would become like God and they would be eternally damned. Now, Satan sinned inside of eternity. That's why there's no forgiveness for him. One of the reasons. Adam and Eve sinned inside of Kronos time. Now, God of the eternal reality where there is no time. He is the I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. God created Adam and Eve inside of time. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3, it says that God created the planets and the sun and the stars so that there would be time. See, God created time 
outside of eternity for man so that he would have an opportunity outside of time to live in eternity with God. For example, Jesus Christ, the eternal God, who is, who was, who is to come, became a man inside of time, limited by time, so that he could deliver and save man inside of time so that we could live in eternity with God. Let me explain it this way. If Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in eternity, there would be no forgiveness for sin. Let me explain it this way. If you break your foot, give it time and it will heal. You may never be able to walk quite the same again, but if you if you, you know, rest your feet and you get a good doctor, you can be healed. But if you break your foot in eternity, then it's broken forever. There is no for you know, Jesus said better to enter into eternity with one eye than to go to hell. You know, better to enter into eternity with chopping your hand off than to go to hell with both hands. In other words, if you have a sore back now, it's going to pass. It's going to pass with time. But if you in eternity have a sore back, you have an eternally sore back. So what God is wanting to do is inside of time to deliver man from an eternal separation from God so that when we die and leave time and resume eternity, we can have a relationship with him that continues forever. That's why Jesus said, this is eternal life. Inside of time, as a man on the earth, this is eternal life, to know the Father and to believe in his Son. The moment you believe in Jesus, you are in eternal life. So the moment you leave time, the moment you leave your body, you are going to live forever. Jesus said to the man, the prisoner hanging on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, eternal life has already begun for you. You've eaten of the tree of life. You've eaten of the tree of life that's in the middle of the garden. That's me. That's Jesus. Even though you're hanging on this cross as a murderer, as a prisoner deserving to die, because you ate of the tree of Jesus, because you believed in Jesus with your heart, which means your spiritual heart, so to speak, ate the spiritual seed of the word of God, which is Jesus, today you will be with me in paradise. Immediately in Genesis, God puts a flaming sword, a protecting, preventing man from taking his sin into eternity. Let me say that again. God immediately, after Adam and Eve sinned, he immediately prevented them from taking their sin into eternity by placing a flaming sword over the tree of life. And I'm so glad that you understand that. So now that you are in the garden and you're born again, okay, but also like Adam and Eve, you and I have the knowledge of good and evil. We've inherited that. We have eaten of that, that tree of life called Jesus. We're born again. Now we have a new heart. We have a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And then we begin to subdue the earth. We first begin to subdue our own body. Paul said he, 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 he punishes his body, he disciplines his body daily. 
You know, he prays, he fasts, you know, he does those sorts of things. So he subdued his body. The next thing he says to do is subdue your mind. He said, think about such things. Think about positive things, noble things. He said, take every thought captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. So the second thing he's doing is subdued his body. Now he's subduing his mind. Then James says, you've got to subdue your tongue. It's like a fire from hell, your tongue. And it can set a ship on, um, it can set a, a whole forest on fire with a little bit of a word. So we need to subdue our tongue. Okay, and there's a whole, it goes on and on and on. Eventually, you can subdue, you know, your family, you can subdue your neighborhood, you can subdue your government, you can subdue the whole earth. There's no limit to the kingdom because the kingdom will become the biggest tree in the garden. And Revelation, there's an angel that puts one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. So don't worry. There will be a day when corruption dies. There will be a day when when sin is punished. Just read Psalm 70, 71, 72, 73, 74. God will punish the wicked. He will separate the wheat from the chaff, the goats from the sheep. But right now, we're living in time we're living in eternal life in time. If our eyes are open, if we're following Jesus, we have a new heart. So our garden of our life is being subdued. You're going to grow up into Christ. You're going to be transformed into his image. You're going to be washed with the water of the word. And so I just want to talk today in this second part of the message. And going into the third part, I'm going to give you another musical break here. But I'm going to talk about how do you practically manage your garden? How do you deal with weeds? How do you deal with intruders? We're going to go deep into the analogy of the garden. See you soon. Okay, guys, so you are a garden. The Holy Spirit has breathed life into you. You're born again. There's a seed of the kingdom in your heart, and now you're responsible to, to grow your garden. So your life, whether you're a mother or a father, single or married, a child or an adult, whether you're a businessman or an employee, unemployed, it doesn't matter. You, your life is your garden. Now, the first thing you've got to do is get born again. You've got to make sure that there's the tree of life in your garden. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to mark out your territory. If you have children, that includes your children. If you have a wife, that includes your wife. If you have a car and a house, that includes your property. How? If you have a next-door neighbor, technically, yeah, they're outside of your garden, but you can certainly pray for them. If they get born again because of you, it's as if you've expanded your territory. You've actually taken the, the fence and the, the boundary of your garden and expanded it over theirs as well. And this is how the church grows. Now, they can be responsible for their own life and their own garden. You don't want to you know, manage their life, but you can father them and you can help them. But let's just focus on your garden. So your garden, you might have a, 
you know, you might have a difficult relative, a difficult husband, a difficult neighbor, or a difficult government. You see, the government might want to come into your garden and put a vaccine tree inside of your garden, but you are responsible for your garden. So the enemy is going to want to plant things in your garden. So the second thing you do, the first thing is you get born again. Make sure you have a, a fountain of living water. Your garden without water will die. The living water is Jesus. You make sure he's in the center of your garden. It's not your children in the center of your garden. It's not your money in the center of your garden. It's the, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing you do is you make sure you set a boundary around your garden. You can do your own study of, of, of Nehemiah. God is building the walls of Jerusalem. He needs to make sure that there is a boundary around your garden. You cannot have your walls down. You cannot allow any Tom, Dick, and Harry to come into your life and start building. There are many Christians, many people who have a beautiful garden, but the walls are down. And that's why every now and then their life seems to just you know, get smashed. It's not necessarily, you know, their fault, so to speak, but the walls are down. So the first thing you've got to do is build the walls. You know, Nehemiah had a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. So you're actually praying in the spirit. You're fighting in the spirit. And, and if an enemy comes, he cannot get in because you've established your boundaries. What are you watching? What movies are you watching? What books are you reading? You see, you might have a friend who says, hey, uh, happy birthday, Jonathan. Here is a, a, a Ouija board. Here's a satanic book on Satan's deep secrets. Now, if my friend gives me Satan's book of secrets and I don't have discernment and I bring that into my house, you know, that's not going to be a very helpful thing to have in my house. Now, you might have great faith and find that your faith is is strong enough to do that, but definitely not for me. So, you know, you wouldn't like you wouldn't let a wolf sleep in the in the in the pig pen. You wouldn't let a wolf sleep with the chickens. So, when you go to bed at night, you lock the door. You wouldn't let, you know, some stranger just just come and sleep in your house at night. You know, especially if you had young women or children living in your house, that would be irresponsible. But I'm telling you, it's exactly the same in the spirit. You know, are you letting anyone in to to teach you, to talk to you? Are you allowing, you know, uh, I'll leave the rest up to you. So that's really important. Number one is the tree of life in the middle of the garden. Number two is you've got to establish and erect the walls around your garden. So you might have a husband who's not a believer. You might have children. You know, if your children live in your house and they want to bring home, you know, a, a sexual partner and have sex in your house, that is your that is your responsibility. If you don't if you allow them to do that, that is going to affect you and everyone in the house. You are responsible. They can you can't stop them sinning in their own house, but you can stop them from sinning in your house because it's your house. So these are the sorts of things. You've got to be the, the owner of your garden. And as I said, your workplace might want to step out over their own authority and take 
parts of your life that don't belong to them as your employer. You know, Paul and Peter and those people said to the Pharisees, who should we fear, God or man? There are going to be certain times when your friends, your family, and even your government may want you to do things that, that, are, that are outside of their authority. And you have got to make a decision. I'm going to continue to serve God. I'm going to serve God and not man. The other thing you're going to have to do is constantly gardening. There might be the tree of life in the middle of your garden, but your siblings, your brothers and sisters, your friends, even your church, they may have planted things in your garden that God doesn't want there. And so you're going to have to pull down those plants. Maybe God is wanting you to be full-time focused on business, but your church has manipulated you and you feel guilty and they put pressure on you to be involved in ministry, but God has clearly said to you that you're meant to be involved in business, that business is your ministry, but you've got this massive you know, volunteer tree in your garden that's taking space that God wants to use. This is what I'm talking about. You've got to know what you're growing in your garden. For me, I've got my children, I've got all my financial stuff, my, my house, my car, you know, maybe a couple of people I'm, I'm discipling, but I'm not allowing the enemy to sow, you know, weeds in my garden. I'm constantly weeding things out of my garden. And even physically, I'm constantly auditing. That's an, a word for you, audit. You've got to audit your physical body. What is going in? Do an audit of what is going into your physical body. Do an audit of what is going into your soul. What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you spending your thought life on? Do an audit of your thought life. Is it worry, worry, worry? Is it lack, lack, lack? Is it, is it trying to solve problems in your own mind? Or is it worship and praise and adoration and trust and declaring things that are not as though they are. Do an audit of what your self-talk is, your internal monologue. Do an audit of your words. What are you saying to God? What are you saying out loud to people at work? What are you saying out loud to friends and family? And then you've also got an do an audit with what you're doing with your time, what you're doing with your money. What you're doing, this is all very important management. Now, God is wanting to subdue the earth. This is the exciting thing, guys. God is wanting to use you. You are his plan A and his plan B and his plan C. God is wanting to, you to seek first the kingdom and to expand it. He's going to do it first in your heart. Then he's going to do it in all of your life, in your mind, your will, your emotions, as you're transformed into the image of Christ. Then he's going to start to talk to you about what are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your words? He wants to subdue the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. If you listen to my previous episode, it talks about the glory of God is, is you fully manifesting Jesus Christ. Now you can be fully manifesting Jesus Christ everywhere you go, to everyone you meet. Now, it doesn't mean you don't make a mistake. Even King David, I said this two episodes ago, even King David, you know, slept with his best friend's wife, the commander of his army, and then murdered him. But he is the one who Jesus, you know, was born through his lineage. God said he was going to establish his throne forever. Now, it's not about being perfect. It's about responding correctly to God. It's about responding correctly to 
to challenges, and it's about responding correctly to privileges. Don't ask God for a bigger garden when you can't even manage the, the little one. If you have a tiny little garden, if you have almost no influence, if you don't have a wife or kids or a mortgage to manage, thank God and focus on the garden that you have. If you're living with your parents and or you're renting, you know that is your garden. It's going to be very small, but you've still got to mow the lawn. You've still got to make your bed. You've still got to wash your clothes and hang them out. If you have a haircut, it's going to grow again. If you shave, you're going to have to shave again. If you pull out all the weeds in your garden, the weeds are going to grow back. Even if you have a perfect garden and obey God in everything, the enemy's going to come and try to plant his own vineyard in your garden. So in the one sense, it never ends. You can never stop washing your car. Like I said, you can wrap it up in a bubble and put it in a vacuum and you're still going to have to vacuum it. Still going to have to dust it. Where does the dust come from? It's like magic, but it's not magic. It's actually decay. Everything is is going to require management. Now, God is looking for man to manage the garden. He's looking for man to work the garden. He's looking for a man, which is found in Ezekiel chapter... You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. I pray that people get it, Lord. I pray that they do it in Jesus' name. Ezekiel 22:20. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. Man, it's just all about gardening, guys. That I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Jesus Christ resurrected in a garden. Adam and Eve were in a garden. Why did Adam and Eve not expand the Garden of Eden? I don't know. He said to go and to subdue the earth. I don't know. Maybe they were, but I feel like they they could have eaten from the tree of life and worked the world. They could have expanded the territory of the paradise of God so that it covered the whole earth. They could have never eaten from that tree of life. Oh, sorry, from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but for some reason they did. And so we're living in decay right now. But you can partner with God to manage your life. I'm telling you, it's good news. It's actually fun to work. What are you going to do if you have nothing to do? You know, what are you going to do if you're going to live forever and not have to work? Just, you know, watch TV. We were made to subdue the earth. We find satisfaction in working. We find satisfaction in management. It's really rewarding to, to work a hard day and to sleep at night. It's really it's horrible to have nothing to do. I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone to Bali for three weeks, the first 10 days is amazing. But after two weeks in Bali, I'm, I'm telling you, there's, there's a certain amount of bacon and eggs and doing nothing that you can take. It becomes torture. It becomes really quite boring, and I can speculate and wonder, you know, whether, you know, Adam and Eve had been busy. You know, why was Eve in the par- Why was Eve in the Garden of Eden talking to the devil? And where the heck was her husband when they were meant to be subduing the earth? They weren't meant to be in the garden. 
They weren't meant to be in the garden. They were meant to be subduing the earth. That means that there was work for them to do. At the end of the day, Jesus did a lot of work. He never stopped preaching. He never stopped going from town to town. He never stopped working the works of God and doing what the Father was doing and confronting the devil. And Paul was the same. He hardly slept. You know, shipwrecked and beaten to death and stoned to death and and lowered out of cities in buckets. And Peter was the same. Crucified upside down, you know, or boiled in oil, depending on what you read. Like, you know, David, King David was constantly in battles, constantly in conflict, constantly fighting, constantly disillusioned, constantly. Jesus promised us suffering. Jesus said, you will have trouble in the world, but I have overcome the world. So guys, it is a a sickness and a delusion to expect there to be nothing to do. It is a delusion to want there to be no problems in your life. There will always be a mountain to move. There will always be nails to clip, teeth to brush, teeth to floss, children to feed. There's always going to be the poor. There's always going to be someone to help. If you are waiting for all your problems to go away, I'm telling you, you are insane. You're mentally and, you know, deluded. Don't, you know, even if you get everything you want right now, even if God answered every prayer or if you had a wishing wheel or a genie in a bottle, I'm telling you, you would not be satisfied. You will never be satisfied until you seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, that is the only thing that satisfies. The kingdom of God is what satisfies. It's the kingdom of God. Think of it this way. Even if you have a touch from God, if you want to be super spiritual, if you just want to say, you know, I love God with all my heart and all my mind, and all my soul and all my strength, and I just want him. That's great. And then, but what, what about when you get him? What about when he, when he turns up in your bedroom? What about when you shake under the power of the spirit and the anointing and you fall over and you have an encounter with God? What, a, what happens if an angel visits you? and gives you a secret scroll from the Bible or or takes you into the future and shows you the future. I mean, the reality is that's going to be amazing for five minutes or a week, but you're going to need another encounter. You're going to, you know, it doesn't matter what God does in this life. If he turns up to you face to face and takes you to the mountain, like Peter, James and John had the mountain of transfiguration experience, And yet three months later, or however long it was, he was denying Jesus three times. He was depressed. He went back to fishing. Jesus had to come and and counsel him and coach him and say, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? You see, Peter needed another encounter. We all need another encounter. So what I'm saying is even if you super spiritualize it, even if you have encounters with God and visitations of angels and dreams, it's still not going to be enough to satisfy you because it's never it doesn't last but the one thing that satisfies Jesus said if you drink of me you will never thirst the one thing that satisfies is the kingdom you know Jesus is the king of the kingdom and what that includes for me is work it's not about bad things not happening. It's not about every prayer being answered and every problem going away. It's not about God killing all your enemies so that you have nothing to worry about. There will always be a 
an enemy. Jesus commanded us, do not worry. That is the secret. Don't look for there to be nothing to worry about. Don't look for God to take away your problems, but look to God and apply what he said. He said, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but Lo, I've overcome the world. He said, I will turn a husband against a daughter and a wife against a daughter and a husband against a mother-in-law or whatever it is. He said, I came not to bring peace but a sword. Don't look for peace. Don't be surprised when you find division, even in your own family. Okay? If there are people in your church who are causing you problems, what does Paul say? He said, those who are strong bear with those who are weak. Some have great faith, some have little faith. Do not lord it over each other. Don't try and be the greatest, be the least. Think of others as more highly, as higher than yourself. Lower yourself, become a servant. These are the things that we do. We don't try to avoid problems in life. We embrace them head on with God. We are responsible for our own garden. But it starts, number one, from drinking from that river of living water. It starts, number one, from getting that tree planted in the middle of your garden. That's the tree of life. It's your relationship with Jesus. Number two is to survey and audit the boundaries of your garden and to protect them at all costs. Do not let other people, do not let your own self-pity, do not let your enemy or your children come inside and tend to your garden. You've got to build your own garden. You've got to manage it. Now, you might be doing some co-laboring in ministry. You may be doing some co-laboring with your husband or wife, or even with your children, and that's okay. But you have got to build that wall, which is both a spiritual and a practical battle. And then the next thing you've got to do is make sure you continue to weed, make sure you continue to plant. What is God wanting to grow in your garden? Is he wanting to plant a family? Is he wanting to plant a ministry? Is he wanting to grow a business? What is it? And then anything you plant in that garden, you are going to be cultivating it together with God. Angels are going to be there to help. Other people will come to water what God has sown, but God is going to make it grow. So let me pray for you today. Father, I just want to thank you that everyone under the sound of my voice has received the word of the kingdom today. And if they haven't, God, this is the opportunity today. You can go to my website, jonathanshoulder.com, and click on the page called Eternity, and I will lead you to Christ. Or you can listen to other episodes of my podcast and just tell Jesus that you want to follow him with all the days of your life and you receive him and you believe in him. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He rose from the dead after three days and he's going to come again soon. Once you've got that tree, God is going to be talking to you. Whether you have fingers in your ears going, no, 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 you don't want to hear it or not. God is going to be talking to you about gardening. He's going to be talking to you about taking responsibility and management because he wants to fill the earth. He wants to grow you. He wants to grow other people. And he wants to turn you into a fisher of men. 
So, Father, today I pray for the seed of the kingdom that was sown. I pray, Father God, that you would water the seed. I'm not going to do it all. There's going to be other people, other ministers, full gospel, Lord, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, Lord, pastor, who are going to water the seed. And But God is going to make it grow. I said, but God is going to make it grow. If this has been a heavy message, just leave it and and come back to it in six months' time. But I'm telling you the truth. Don't try to avoid problems, but invite the Spirit of the living God to partner with you in growing your garden. There is nothing that is more satisfying, even addictive, than to seek first the kingdom and to expand it. That we are partners with the gospel. We are partners with God. He wants you to sow the word of the kingdom in other people's hearts. That is the most incredible privilege to lead somebody to Christ and to see them grow and become a kingdom seed that grows 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you just seal this word and that you just protect these people and that you grow the kingdom. Oh, Lord God, by the Spirit of God, May your fire increase, Lord. May you grow the kingdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Share my podcast. Bye for now.